Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. My problem with believing in demons wasn't that I couldn't get my head around the idea of demons. Sure, the images we had of them were silly, red-horned and spike-tailed figures lurking in the corner of the room, whispering through blackened lips and forked tongues on the other side of your shoulder. But those sorts of images are easily dispensable and not my problem with demons. It also wasn't that I couldn't imagine a sinister, destructive force at work in the world. It seems like All the best stories that humans have ever told point to a struggle between the forces of good and evil, whether writ large in epic fantasy like Tolkien or the Fairy Queen, or minutely and tortuously defined in a single soul such as in Dostoevsky. It doesn't take a long glance around the world to know these sinister, destructive forces live outside of our storytelling, too. We have secularized names for them now. We speak of them as systemic, like poverty, or racism, or greed, things so dark and entrenched that the armies of good have fought and struggled against and given their lives combating these forces for countless generations, and still they're there. And of course, these impersonal systemic forces result in the harm of personal and tangible humans. I am unable to think of a baby starving to death and naming it as anything other than evil, a great and horrifying wrong any more than I can look at a friend with his newborn held tenderly in his great arms and call it very good, a gift from God. And my problem with believing in demons wasn't even that I couldn't imagine that there could be a personal aspect connected somehow to these forces of destruction. Many Christians I have known wrote off the demon stories with a line you will have heard, you know, oh, of course, it was just a misunderstanding of epilepsy or mental illness, which, first of all, is a terrible thing to tell anyone with epilepsy or mental illness, for the record. And it's a gigantic misunderstanding and total exercise in missing the mark with what the point of the demon stories are in the Bible. But, I will go on to say, if I had met demons in modern times, if I have at all, I would say that they were just as present in everyday folks without a diagnosis. 
the way a news channel turned a mother from her daughter, the way that he nurses that grudge till it's all he remembers of the relationship, those conversations you've had with her trying to talk her out of that abusive relationship and still she stays. And the way he cuts and runs in the moments that matter most again and again, like his father before him. The way, for me, it only takes one fearless moral inventory, one deep and searching look inward to see the same thing, the same anger and greed and sloth and lust and melancholy, those same ingredients of evil stirring around in the pot of your own soul their flavors sometimes more pronounced than others. At least that's how it works for me. There's really only been one hitch in my acceptance of demons. And this last part was it. That maybe these worst things about us were really just us all along that the evil we continue to do to one another, to the planet, to our souls, was just what humans were about. No outside force necessary, no shoulder-whispering demon needed. Let's see what Jesus has to say about that. In our gospel today, Jesus walks into the temple and teaches He's interrupted by a man with an unclean spirit, we're told. And of all the folks in that room, full of learning and full of spirit and full of religion, it's only this guy, it's only the demoniac, who recognizes Jesus for what he is, the Holy One of God. A man with an unclean spirit would have tainted the entire congregation with his uncleanness. People like him were kept outside the temple to maintain the purity of those who were inside the walls. It's not a stretch for us to imagine a system that works like this. We've built our world around making classes and types of people invisible. But Jesus does not make him invisible. He does not drive him out from the temple walls. It is as though Jesus sees the man, the real one, not the shouting, writhing display that was the demoniac. Jesus sees the man and restores him to himself. It is as though the worst parts of him were not actually him at all. Demons are one way Christians have talked about this idea, that really, the essential you, past your mental and psychological baggage, past your body and its abilities, past the mood fluctuations and mindfulness exercises, deep down past your DNA and your questionable wardrobe choices, there is a you 
Of course, we're careful to say that all these outside things matter in the growth of a soul. You are an embodied being. But that there's something intrinsic and wholly good at every person's core. We call it the image of God. Sometimes this image is hidden, obfuscated under complicated and interwoven layers of choices and influences, but it is there in you and everyone who has ever lived. C.S. Lewis wrote a fantastic little book called The Screwtape Letters. And most of you will know it. It's about this elder demon writing advice to a novice demon whose job it was to corrupt a man's soul, to hide that image a little more deeply in. But the man dies in a state of grace. And the elder demon recounts furiously what took place when that soul slipped eternally through their scaly fingers. He says, there was a sudden clearing of his eyes, was there not? As he saw you, the other demon, for the first time and recognized the part you had had in him and knew that you had it no longer. Just think what he felt at that moment as if a scab had fallen from an old sore, as if he were emerging from a hideous shell-like tetter, as if he shuffled off for good and all a defiled, wet, clinging garment. By hell, it is misery enough to see them in their mortal days taking off dirtied and uncomfortable clothes and splashing in hot water and giving little grunts of pleasure, stretching their eased limbs. What then of this final stripping? this complete cleansing. Did you mark how naturally, as if he'd been born for it, the earthborn vermin entered the new life? How all his doubts became, in the twinkling of an eye, ridiculous? I know what the creature was saying to itself. Yes, of course. It always was like this. All horrors have followed the same course, getting worse and worse and forcing you into a kind of bottleneck till at the very moment when you thought you must be crushed, behold, you were out of the narrows and all was suddenly well. The extraction hurt more and more and then the tooth was out. The dream became a nightmare and then you woke. You die die, and then you are beyond death. How could I have ever doubted it? If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.